And now, a message from Pastor Michael Carmody. Um, so a, a new year, a new year is always, you know, I mean, sometimes we just take it in strides. It's another year. Life continues. It's another year and we're still here. Woohoo! I'm glad. I'm glad that you're all still here among us. Those of you that might just be visiting today, there's a great way to kick off a new year coming and hanging out with us. It's an honor to have you with us today. Once again, you've already been welcomed, but I welcome those who are joining us online this morning. You're part of this service as well, and it's great to have you with us. So a new year sometimes represents new hopes. Anybody have any hopes for 2019? And the future even beyond 2019, because there's more years to come, right? Um, it's, a, it's a time of new adventures. I'm expecting some new adventures in 2019, some new experiences in 2019, personally. Anybody with me on that? You know, here's the thing about 2019. We've never lived it before. Uh, we have no idea what it's going to be, but I guarantee you it will be a mixed bag, right? Uh, there are new blessings coming in 2019. You all with me on that? And um, new opportunities as well. Uh, I believe that God will provide us with new opportunities to be a light for him, to make a difference for him. There'll be different areas of our lives where we're going to have brand new opportunities in 2019 that we've never had before. Anybody with me on that? And 2019 will also bring, as all years do, its own challenges. And it's struggles. Man, everybody gets excited about that. I was like, yes, yes. But that, but that, that is the truth. I mean, I've heard this said that um, the blessings and challenges are like two rails of a railroad track and they run parallel and arrive about the same time. And you know, in our, in our lives, there'll be areas of our lives where we feel, feel very blessed and things are going very well and there might be other areas where we're having struggles or we're trying to figure things out. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And life is not just, you know, a bed of roses, so to speak. There's a few thorns in there as well. And um, even, with, even with God, but the great thing is that with God, we have somebody to go through that stuff with us, right? And um, help us come out the other side. Uh, not smelling like the stuff we went through. That's right. I have a few quotes about New Year that I would like to uh, read to you. And the first one's from Hilary DePiano, and it says this, we all get the exact same 365 days this year. We're already six days into it. Happy New Year. We all get the same 365 days this year. The only difference is what we choose to do with them. Man, we get a choice every day what we're going to do with our life, right? This is great. Um, uh, Layla Akita said this, a new year brings new grace and new accomplishments, right? A new grace for new accomplishments. Edward Powell said this, the old year has gone. A new year has taken possession of the clock of time. All hail the duties and possibilities of the coming 12 months. Here's another one. Sarah Brethnick said this, a new year, a fresh start. Anybody there? A new chapter in life waiting to be written. New questions to be asked. I love that line, new questions. You know, if you never ask a new question, you never get any new answers. So a new question to be asked, but not only to be asked, but to be embraced and loved. Answers to be discovered and then lived in this transformative year of delight and self-discovery. How many believe 2019 can be a year of delight and self-discovery? Yeah. Wonderful. And then this one, my favorite, I mean, let's just see this one on the screen from Benjamin Franklin. He said this. He, he started a dime store back a number of years ago. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Anyway, he said this. Be always at war with your vices. That's your, your, your habits, your challenges. Be at peace with your neighbors. Let me say, uh-huh. And let each new year find you a better man or a better woman, depending on which of those you are. So my subject 
uh, for today is not really so much about the new year, although it is a little bit about that. But I have this wonderful privilege today of launching a new series, a new sermon series that we're going to be covering in January. And the sermon series is called 32nd Theology. And uh, the idea of 32nd theology, it's not, it's not bumper sticker theology. I've often referred to bumper sticker theology where somebody's going through a real challenge in their lives. And we Christians sometimes just like to give them these little pat answers, you know, that, well, just let go and let God. Well, frankly, folks, that doesn't always help. You know, sometimes there's a little deeper theology that can help somebody get through really something. Or one of my favorites, well, just remember what Job went through. Yeah, well, that was Job. And uh, this is me. And what Job went through doesn't really help me in what I'm going through. So there has to be a little bit deeper answers than just this bumper sticker theology. So when we talk about 30-second theology, we're not talking about simple answers. What we're talking about is commercials, television commercials that have a message. And some of them are 60 seconds, maybe, or 30 seconds, or whatever, but we're calling it 30-second theology. This does not necessarily mean that we endorse the products that we're showing necessarily, but that we're building on the message that these commercials bring to us. And so this morning we're going to do that. We're going to start with a commercial, but it's a little more than a commercial. I got to give you a quick, just a quick um, disclaimer, I guess, on this one. So the commercial that you're about to see is an Android commercial. Any Android fans in the house? <laughs> now, booing is not necessary, um, but nevertheless, uh, there may be some Android fans in the house, so let's be nice to them. Say, yay, Android. Yeah, so this is, a, this is an Android commercial. It's an Android commercial, and the name of the commercial is actually called Monotune, uh, but the theme or the message of this commercial is be together, not the same. But what we're going to do this morning is we're not just going to watch the commercial. We're also going to watch a little bit of the background of how this commercial came to be. I just thought you would enjoy watching that and seeing that. And so um, the first section of this is a little bit of the backstory, and then it'll go to Android Presents Monotune, and then that's the commercial. So give your attention to this for the next four minutes or so. listen to music and you listen to a piano um, and it sounds so beautiful and that's how it's always sounded but you never realize that it's because every single key is different. What if we made a piano that had 88 keys but every key was the exact same note? I got a call. He said, would it be possible to tune a piano all to one note? And I said, no, it would not. And I expected that to kind of be the end of that conversation. We had about five weeks to do this from start to finish. So we probably compressed about a year of research and development into about a few weeks. We brought in um, a coordinate measuring machine. It's a way of measuring all the important points of interest inside the piano. We actually built a plate, essentially, that sat inside those measured points that we had to make sure that we could utilize the original fasteners and the original trajectories of the strings in the piano. We put the plate in the first day I got there and then I started stringing. On a traditional piano, the strings would extend all the way back here but they, they end here, so most of the piano really is just a, a nicely tuned middle C. If you work with pianos a lot, something doesn't look right about it, but we're pretty excited about how it turned out. My name is G. Uh, I'm a pianist, and I've been playing the piano since I was five, um, and I've been playing professionally for about 15 years. It wasn't until I came into the studio, into the set, that I got a chance to play on this modified one-note monotone piano. It was interesting at first, but more or less, it's been a lot of fun. 
It takes a master, someone as good as G, to be able to hear the music in his mind and to have the dexterity and muscle memory to proficiently play a monotone piano. Something like a piano, you don't think of them as sort of an analogy of diversity until you'd strip it down to one note. It's a really powerful message at its core and uh, it's an important one too. It makes so much sense with Android, be together, not the same. Be together, not the same. It really ties in with you know, my principles and my belief. When we are in harmony and in unison, but we're all distinctly different, that's when you know, magic happens in the world. That's a wrap. Thank you. So, first observation, the dude can play the piano, man. The guy is really good. And if you play an instrument, you play a piano or any instrument for that matter, to imagine playing something where every note is exactly the same and still playing, it's just mind-boggling to be able to actually do that. And of course, the message of this um, is be together, not the same. So if I were to ask the question, what's the basic purpose of a piano? The answer would be to play music, that's right, to play music. And for that music to be played, every note has to be tuned differently. So when you tune every key exactly the same, you're no longer able to make music and the piano no longer serves its purpose. I mean, who wants to, who, I maybe you'd like to listen and just play that C note over and over like that. It's, just, it's like, where is this going, you know? <laughs> you're looking, waiting for a climax somewhere, there is none. 
It's, there's just nothing there. Um, so the idea of the piano, it has to be tuned differently for it to fulfill its purpose. And the message, one of the messages I want to bring you today is it's very much the same with the mission of the church. The mission of the church is to surrender to the principles of God's kingdom and make a difference in this world. Could I get a witness in the house? That's the mission of the church. Surrender to the kingdom of God and his principles and then make a difference. Have an influence in this world. And if the church doesn't do that, then the church is not fulfilling its mission just like a C-tuned piano doesn't fulfill its mission in life. And so when we think about this, we look at this idea of diversity. Um, be together not the same. Um, we cannot be the church if everyone is exactly the same. I've said so many times, I'll say it one more time, and I know I'll get some witnesses in the house. I am glad that not everybody in this world, everybody in the body of Christ is like me. I appreciate your witness on that. Um, because that would, be, that would be boring. We need the diversity, right? But this diversity also gives us opportunities for conflict, but the opportunities for conflict also give us opportunities to extend grace and compassion and mercy and to learn and to grow and to, and to change and to adapt to the conditions of the body of Christ. Y'all with me on that? So we all have our own uniqueness. We all have our own diversity, and that is the way God planned it. God planned that we would all be unique, and we can't compare one with another because we're all unique individuals. You with me on that? So just as every instrument in a band is unique from all the others, every body, every member of the body of Christ is different from the others, but they're all needed for this tune to be played. Does that make sense to everybody? So even though we're all unique from one another, I'm, I, have a, I have a uniqueness about me. Some of you think I'm very unique. I get that. Um, but we all, have our, we all have our own uniquenesses, our own individuality, and God uses that. And when he brings us together, he gives us this, this privilege, this opportunity of making beautiful music together for the kingdom. Um, our lives, even though we're all unique, our lives still individually need to be tuned. Um, to say that, well, you know, I'm unique, so I can just live any way I want to, that is not true. I still, even though I'm a unique individual, my life needs to be tuned to God's heart and God's ways and God's kingdom. My life needs to be tuned to the mission of God for my life. I need to find that way of balancing and tuning my life to what God wants me to be, not just living any way I want to and somehow celebrating uniqueness in the midst of that. My uniqueness is that God works with me uniquely. I remember when I, when I first stepped into the kingdom of God, became part of this kingdom of God thing, I, I, God began to deal with me about some issues in my life and began to put his finger on some things that I was going through. I mean, you know, I was kind of a mess. And I remember praying the prayer, God, if there's anything in my life you don't like, you have permission to fix it, just in case, you know, just in case there might be a thing or two. And he began to work on some of those things. But then I saw other people in the body who seemed to be able to do those things that God was telling me not to do. And I started complaining about them. And I started thinking, well, they have to be like me. But you know, there's a big difference between unity and uniformity. And God is asking us to be together, not the same. And so that requires we have a little bit of compassion for one another. But also our own lives need to be tuned. My, my life needs to be tuned to the heart of God for my life. You with me on that? And your life is the same way. We can live a life in harmony with God and with others. But the standard that we have to be tuned to is not just what I think or what I want. The standard I have to be tuned to is what is God's heart for my life. You all with me on this? And so... Um, you know, what does God want our lives to sound like? What does he want our lives to look like? How do we make sure coming into the new year 
that we are, can I say, in tune with what God wants for our lives. And so I want to lay out this simple message for you this morning in the next 13 and a half minutes. And uh, we're going to talk about this word tune. You can see it on the screen. Everybody say tune. So when an instrument is tuned, it sounds nice. When an instrument is untuned, no matter how well it's played, it doesn't sound nice. I have one of my guitars here. This is a very nice guitar. It's an ovation. Um, it's a nice instrument. And I went to great lengths this morning to make sure that my guitar was not tuned. And so I'm going to play a nice G chord for you. Oh, that's pretty. Isn't that pretty? How about a C chord? I'll play a song. Awesome. That's fun stuff, right? How's that? How, that sound good to anybody? Does that sound good? So that's what happens when an instrument is untuned. And you know what? When we're not tuned to the heart of God, that might be a little bit what we sound like. Yeah, we'll just let that sit there. But here's the thing about tuning. Tuning, tuning takes time. You know, it takes time. So, I mean, I've, I've been playing guitar for 50 years. When I first learned how to tune, we didn't have these nice digital fancy tuners. Now there's tuners built right into the guitars. It's awesome. Uh, back in my day, if anybody's been playing guitar a while and knows anything about this, you had to use a pitch pipe. You blow on the pitch pipe and you blow the, the E and you tune the string. That you tune in your guitar, the, the sound of the pitch, and you can tune the guitar to itself once you get one string on. And you know what? If you didn't have a pitch pipe, a lot of people don't know this, but back in the old days, I remember back in the old days when we had landlines. Yeah. Anybody remember what a dial tone sounds like? Do you know that the dial tone is a perfect 440A? And so if you didn't have a pitch pipe, you could just pick up the phone, listen to the dial tone, and hit your A string, and you got it. Well, and you got it. Um, so you had to kind of tune by hand. And tuning takes time, but it's necessary for quality sound. Tuning is a discipline of sorts. I'm talking about just with instruments. Guitars need to be tuned. Basses need to be tuned. Drums even need to be tuned. You may not know that, but the drum head actually has to be tuned as well. Of course, we have electronic drums. They're, all, they're always tuned. Uh, we also have electronic keyboards, and they're always tuned. But real pianos, I mean acoustic pianos, have to be tuned. And, and the tuning is setting the tension of the string. And setting the tension of the string causes that string to vibrate at certain hertz, and that's what creates the sound. That's what creates the music. So that's a quick um, explanation of how strings work based on my limited understanding. Um, but I do know this. Instruments go out of tune. Uh, because of things like humidity levels, temperature. Sometimes if the strings get old or if sat a while, they may go out of tune. So on guitars, sometimes machine heads um, will, you know, will make them go out of tune. I, I, my guitar sits right here. There's an air vent right here. And my guitars sit here under, over that air vent all the time, which is why pretty much every time I get up to play one of my guitars during a service, I have to retune it because the cold air makes the strings go sharp and they have to be brought back into tune again. So tuning takes time. It's a process. And the environment around an instrument can throw it out of tune. And let me tell you, this, the same thing is true with us. Tuning our lives is a process. We are not just automatically tuned to God because we prayed a prayer once and asked Jesus to come into our life. And we don't stay tuned tuned just because we read our Bibles once in a while. We live in an environment where the humidity and the temperature, and I'm not talking about physical, I'm talking about spiritual stuff and mental stuff, is constantly in a state of flux and changing, and there's a lot of things that want to influence our lives, and the culture, the atmosphere around us sometimes detunes us and gets us out of tune with God. Just like instruments will detune
because of environmental conditions, we can do the same thing. So the environment around us, maybe we begin to have a little bit of a spat with our spouse or our significant other or whatever, then that follows us into our work environment and that follows us into our, content, our conversation with our friends and suddenly everything is about this conflict and it begins to detune our heart. It gets us focused on things that God really wants to fix rather than us just to stay focused on. That makes sense to anybody? You know, politics, the so-called culture war, can really tighten us up a bit and change the tune and make us a little too sharp and a little too bitey and edgy. I'm saying that with a big smile on my face. You know, not doing what the Bible clearly tells us to do, just wanting to do what I want to do, period. You know? It gets us out of tune. It gets us out of tune with what God wants us to be. I mean, this whole idea of every man for himself, I got to get what's mine. It's the, the screams of this contemporary culture and it knocks our lives out of tune. So how do we tune our lives? How do we get them back in tune? Well, let's use that word tune for a minute. First letter in the word tune is what? T. So let's say this. T is for trust. If we want to get our lives in tune or maybe just readjust them just a little bit, get our lives tuned correctly, first thing we have to do is trust God. It's true. Coming into 2019, I pray that every one of us will have a greater trust in God. We'll find a way to trust him completely. Look at this verse in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with one-third of your heart. Oh, I'm sorry. I read that wrong. Trust in the Lord with half of your heart. What does it say? All of your heart. And rely some on your own insight. Is that what it says? Do not rely on your own insight. In all of our way, your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. I think about that straight path. That's the string being tuned properly. You know, when we read this verse, it says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. It's a basic thing, but a huge part of our lives, a huge part of tuning our lives is learning to trust God in every situation that we go through. You know, I said that earlier that every, every year brings its own challenges. Every day sometimes brings its own challenges. But we have to learn to trust God. That word, word trust there means to have confidence and assurance. We should be assured and have confidence that God is with us. God's on our side. God wants to take us through whatever we're going through. We're not just going to stop there. He wants to take us through it. And he wants to take us through the other side of that in victory. We have to trust God that even when we don't, even when our own insight, our own knowledge, our own wisdom, our own understanding falls short and we just don't get it. Anybody ever been that place? I just don't get it. That's when we need to trust God the most because that's when he wants to really do something significant in our lives. Um, our insight, our understanding, our wisdom will fail us at some point. No matter how long you've been doing something, how good you are at it, how well you think you've got stuff together, at some point our own understanding our own knowledge our own wisdom at some point will fail us the good news is god literally never ever fails may not look like he's succeeding because he's not doing what we want but that's just because what we want isn't yet in tune with what god's doing we can we can learn to trust him in every situation you know when things don't go the way we planned anybody ever have that happen things don't go the way you planned when things don't go the way we planned, we need to still trust God. 
You know, I've told this story many times, but maybe some of you haven't heard it, but um, when Janice and I first came into the kingdom back in 1979, we'd been married three years, lives, life was a mess, and, and uh, we got back together, we decided it was time to start a family. So our first son, Christopher, uh, was born and only lived for about two weeks. And uh, it was a, that was a challenge. It was a trial that we went through during that period of time. But the grace, we'd only been saved about a year at the time, but the grace of God on our lives allowed us to trust him and not turn from him. Listen, folks, when you're going through a tough time, the worst thing in the world to do is blame the only one who can get you out of it for the fact that you're going through a tough time. Most of the time we go through things because in this world we're going to have tribulation or we've sown seeds that are coming back for some kind of a harvest. But if we trust God, he will get us through that time and you know the lord gave us a word during that time when we lost christopher that we would have uh that he would give us perfect children and our, our sons aren't perfect in the sense of perfect people but they were perfectly healthy and god blessed us and gave us a family but you know i believe at least in part because we trusted god through that challenge we stayed close to his heart. We looked to him instead of running from him. And listen, I guarantee you, 2019, you will go through some stuff. And if you run away from God, you're running away from the only one who can help you through that stuff. But if you trust in him, even when things don't go the way you plan, he'll be there for you and he'll take you through that and he'll change everything in your perspective of it. In, in those times when we don't know what to do, I think sometimes the, the best place we can come to in our life is God, I don't know what to do. So I'm gonna trust you. I'm going to let you take this and let you be in control of my life in this situation. You know, when the world throws us a curveball, sometimes, you know, we're going along and everything's nice and all of a sudden just something happens. And, and, and you know, this curveball comes at us and it catches us off guard and we don't know what to do. Sudden changes that we didn't anticipate. And sometimes we can get under the weight of that, but if we trust God, God is able. Everybody believe that God's able to get us through that. Check this out in John 16, 33. Jesus said this, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Before we take that verse off, go back to the first part of that again, please. And he says, notice he says this, that, that in me you may have, everybody say may have you may have peace then he says in the world you will have everybody say will have so here's a promise in the world we will have tribulation but even in the midst of the tribulation we may have peace if we choose to trust god but if we don't choose to trust god we may not find peace in the midst of the tribulation y'all with me on this so the thing is we don't fully enjoy that peace unless we fully trust him in the tribulation and, you know, just to add a couple of other thoughts to this, trusting God is a no-brainer. How many of you believe we should trust God? How many of you are with me that 2019, I want to learn to trust God more than I have ever in my life? Anybody with me on that? Who wants to learn to trust God more? Okay, so the Lord wants to teach us how to trust him. And whether we're going through a rough time or a good time or just one of those times where I don't know what to do or life throws us a curveball or whatever, we will trust in God because he is our help and our source in every situation. You with me on that? So we realize that it's kind of a no-brainer. We should trust God. But could I throw you just another thought here? Maybe we also, in the process of trusting, if we really want to get our, our lives tuned, maybe we need to start trusting people as well. I realize we live in a broken world. I realize that we live in a culture that is 
broken, a culture that is somewhat distorted, if you will, disturbed in some ways, and that there's a lot of problems in our world. Everybody gets that. You get that? But you know what? If we live with constant suspicion and we live with constant discord with the world around us and we just won't trust anybody because everybody's out to get everything, that makes us so cynical and so broken ourselves that we lose the mission of the church, which is to be a positive influence to the world around us. And we start looking at everybody with eyes of suspicion and questioning everybody's motives and everybody's intent instead of trusting that God can use different things to work things out in people's life. And, and when we do that, when we, when we have that, that perspective that everybody's kind of bad and broken, it can make us very cynical to where when people really come into our lives that could really help us, we already had walls up that won't let them help us. You hear what I'm saying about that? And so maybe we need to learn to trust people a little bit too, especially people in the body of Christ, people who don't think like we do and don't act necessarily even like we do, but it's better than cynicism to trust them. You know, uh, this last year, because of uh, the church here allowing us to have a little bit of time uh, to go out and minister in other places, we've been able to uh, minister. I've, I've ministered this last year in uh, a Nazarene church, in a Mennonite church, in a Baptist church, in a couple of different Lutheran churches, an open Bible church. Um, you know, and these all these churches, are, their, their perspective is a little different. Their, uh, their doctrine might even be a little bit different, but What's really interesting is that I've, I trust the faith, their faith in God, even though they're different than I am. Is it possible that we could trust that other people who walk with God, even though their walk is different than ours, could we trust that God's leading them exactly the way he wants to lead them as well? Is that possible? With 7.7 .7 billion people on the planet, is it possible that there's somebody in this world who thinks about just about everything completely differently than I do and are still 100% what God wants them to be? Is that possible? Yes. And if we give room for that, we can start living with trust, not only trusting God, but learning to trust people. And I'll say one other thing. We should learn to trust ourselves, that we can learn, we can grow, we can change, that God can do. You know, God trusts you. Man, that just didn't go anywhere. Do you know that God trusts you? Let me say it one more time. God trusts you. He has trusted you with his name. How many of you call yourself a Christian? He has trusted you with that title. He's trusted you with his word. He's trusted you with his spirit. I ain't lying. He trusted you with his heart. He's trusted you with the people. He's trusted you with this world. He has put this world in our hands. He's given us an opportunity to have an influence in this world. And he's trusted us. So we ought to trust ourselves and God and one another. Somebody say amen and I'll move on. So your trust may look different than mine, but we all need to tune in to the trust element for 2019. How many are ready to trust God more? Maybe even trust people more. Yeah, a few hands went down on that one. Trust yourself more. Yep, can't get any help on that one. That's pretty rough. Anyway, but we need this trust. So we're going to tune our lives. What's the first word? Trust. The second one, in tune. Second letter is what? U. U stands for unity. Everybody say unity. Unity. Romans chapter 12, verse 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. You know what we tend to do sometimes? Say, well, you know, I'd, I'd live at peace with that person. What's the next line? If they, you're right, but they won't do this. I would live at peace with them if they, hear that real carefully? If they would just do this, I could live at peace with them. Is that what this verse says? No, it says, as far as it depends on you, 
live peaceably with everyone. You make the effort to live at peace and unity, and especially within the body of Christ. You with me on that? Unity is a vital element in having a life of peace and hope. You know, we start getting this, this conflict, this disunity in our lives. It, it, it destroys peace. It crushes hope. Look at this verse in, in Psalm 133, 1. And I'm going to read it to you here. It says this. Behold how good. Everybody say good. And how pleasant. Say that word. Pleasant. How good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. Let me change it just a little bit. Behold how good and pleasant it is for brothers and sisters in Christ to dwell together in unity right together not the same together not the same dwell together in unity there's a difference between unity and uniformity if you think of uniformity you think of the word uniform everybody looking the same acting the same being the same robotic worshipers of jesus i worship you jesus i love you jesus this robotic idea that's not what god's looking for he's looking for unity not uniformity not everybody the same but everybody tuned and our tunes are different that's what creates harmony so it creates a fuller sound. And so God's looking, I believe, for us to have this dwelling together, this being together in unity because it's good, it's joyful, it's beautiful, it's pleasant, it's delightful. This is a blessing to the heart of God when he sees his people living in unity even though they have differences. It's amazing. Look at this, Proverbs chapter 6. These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift and running to evil. God hates these things. A false witness who speaks lies. And check out this one. One who sows discord among the brothers. It's interesting, that word discord, you know what that literally means? It means a lack of harmony. A lack of harmony. You know, harmony is a musical term. It says different sounds being played together and creating a sound. So the notes... Uh, when the notes don't complement one another, that's discord. So let me play you a discord. How many of you liked listening to the untuned guitar? That was a blast, wasn't it? So this guitar is tuned, or probably still close to tuned anyway. Let me see here. Yeah, it's close. Um, but let me, so that's what it can sound like, but let me just discord. Oh, that's pretty. Everybody like that? I don't see much of a response. Do we like that? Those are, like, that doesn't sound, right? Doesn't sound like much, does it? People are leaving. It happens when I'm playing good chords, too. But anyway, this is just, it's one of those things, you know? It just doesn't sound right. Discords are not pleasant. How many of you would like to sit and listen to somebody just discord all day like that? Do you think God enjoys listening to us discord? and talk about one another in the body and, and create all these judgments and criticisms and harshness about other people who aren't like us. You think God enjoys listening to that? Nor do I. He wants to tune us. Tune, trust. Second one is unity. I was typing one day. I was putting together a message many years ago. I was putting together this message. Wow, it's getting late. You guys got to stop this. Um, I was putting together this message and I went to type the word united and I rarely get messed up when I'm typing, but I typed, instead of united, I typed the word untied. Look at these, look at these two words, united and untied. There's only one movement of a letter different in those two, but the meaning are completely different. 
To unite something means to come or bring together for a common purpose or action. So if you unite something, if something united is brought together for a common purpose or, or action, if it's untied, that means to unfasten, to loosen, or to send away. So on the one hand, we're united. On the other hand, we're untied, totally different. And there's only one letter difference. If we can put those words up one more time, the letter that's different is that the I is in the wrong place. If I don't have my head in the right place, I'm going to do more untying than I am uniting. Y'all with me on that? Somebody say, well, I think it's the T that's in the wrong place. This is my message, and I say it's the I. So it's the I that's in the wrong place. And so we can... We can pursue this idea of unity with one another even though we're not exactly the same unity without uniformity uh, make the most of 2019 join a community group what's that group called again community or com unity it's actually a word that means common unity common unity community groups community groups are a great place you can sign up today it's a great place to find an opportunity to be united with one another i have to move on the n is for the word new so we have t-u-n right n is for the word new in revelation 21 5 it says he who sat on the throne said behold i make all things new jesus came to make everything new we have a new heaven and a new earth promised to us you with me on that we also have a new and living way to god jesus brought us a whole new way of getting to god by faith through grace instead of works we have a new covenant we have become a new creation we have new life new hope god never stops doing new things in our world he wants to continue to do new things in us because his mercies are new every morning you know what 2019 should be a year that we look for god to do new things in our lives we look for God to open us up to new ideas, new concepts, new possibilities, new understanding of his word and his world and how he wants to work in our lives. I need to finish this. The letter E. I couldn't come up with one word for E, so I came up with four. So E is this, empty ego. How many think you could empty your ego? And then embrace excellence. So this E thing, the, the, the old ancient Jewish sages used to teach that there were three things that would keep a Jew from becoming the very best he could be. And those three things were pride, lust, and greed. And that idea of pride, um, pride is just an overemphasis on self. Pride is being consumed with self. Pride can take many forms. It can take the form, of course, of I'm the best in the world or I'm the worst in the world because it still focuses on self. Um, and, and that's the idea of ego, this idea of, of an overinflated um, estimation of self-importance. Steve Sampson, a friend of mine, came up with an acrostic or acronym or whatever it is for that word ego, easing God out. When we let our ego run wild, we don't make room for God and for what he wants to do in our lives. The engine at the core of all human failure, let me say that again, the engine at the core of all human failure, that which creates human failure is pride. Check this out in um, Proverbs 16, 18. First pride, then the crash. The bigger the ego, the harder the fall. So when we get to the E, when we're talking about God tuning our lives, we get to the E, it's the idea of emptying our ego. When we empty our ego, it's not about me anymore, God, it's about you. And when we do that, then we're free to embrace the excellence that is God's love for us. 
and his plan for us. And so to close my message, let's let 2019 be a year that we tune our lives to God by trusting God, right? To unite us with the new things that he has for us and allowing us to empty our ego so we can embrace his excellence. 12 months from now, one year from now, we'll find ourselves more in tune with God's heart if we'll trust him, if we'll walk in unity, if we'll embrace the new things that he does and let go of our ego. I want to take a moment. For more information on New Covenant, contact us at 3318 Fifth Avenue South, Fort Dodge, Iowa, 50501. Or you can call us at 515-955-6222.